And now for something completely different. A radio show about books. Didn't think it through at all. Inconceivable! <laughs> yes, the show's serious. That's totally a thing. Thank you. Tarzan of the Apes. Brought to you from out the pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' immortal book. Oh, wow. In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and been widely regarded as a bad move. And now for your host, Daniel Thompson, a completely underqualified buffoon who has no idea why he's here in the first place. And all were amazed and said, this guy is really good. Do you do children's parties? <laughs> Hello, everybody. How's it going? Oh my gosh, I am recovering from the plague. I've had a terrible illness the last two days, and my voice is pretty freaking hilarious. I'm not even trying to do this right now. This is actually the way my voice sounds. It's like it's like Leia in Return of the King. Not Return of the King, Return of the Jedi. I can't even get my Star Wars straight from my Lord of the Rings. It's like, you have hibernation sickness. I don't even know. We have, this is the beginning Today, today's the beginning of the Adventures in Odyssey takeover. We have four weeks of Adventures in Odyssey riders starting off with John Fornoff today. John is a fantastic interview. I mean, oh my gosh, this dude is cool. So, today we will receive the first episode of John Fornoff, followed by the sequel, which will be coming Thursday instead of Tuesday. So, Thursday, tune in then. John Fornoff in today is very good. So, <laughs> thanks for showing up today. Enjoy the episode, everyone. I think I'm going to drink some tea. So, let me introduce myself. Do you know who I am? The average human male is about 60% water. As far as we're concerned, that's a little extravagant. You're here because we want the best, and you're it. Nope. Couldn't keep a straight face. Hey, everybody. How's it going? I have got with me in the studio John Fornoff. If you don't know who this guy is, you ought to, because Adventures in Odyssey, people. This is the Adventures in Odyssey guy. You, he's written a ton of the Adventures in Odyssey stuff. He's worked on the Last Chance Detective series. He's done lamplighter work. You've done a ton of stuff, John. I've had a lot of fun, Daniel. <laughs> a lot you, of you, fun, you, yeah. You, you've done a, you've done like, yeah. I was looking at the stuff, and any any homeschooler listening to the show is going to know what Adventures in Odyssey is. I've, I have a ton of friends who listened to that as they were kids. I was like the one kid who didn't listen to Adventures in Odyssey. I was that kid. Oh. <laughs> we've got a, we've got a lot of people that listen. I, I love Odyssey. I still you know I still listen to Element and just like to tune in and, and see how it's going. And it's just a great show. Great people working on it. And really, it was the show that opened up the door for all the other audio dramas happening happening now. And uh, it was really the pioneer. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a yeah, just great show. Great people, and and uh, I love working with them. Great 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 experience. Yeah, Odyssey. Yeah, it's just kind of the pinnacle, and it's been so long running. And that's what amazes yeah. me. Yeah, started uh, 1987, November of 1987 is when it started. And I remember when it first came on, and uh, it was just exciting to listen to. It's like, wow, this is so well done. And it's kind of funny. Yeah. My dream as a kid was to do radio drama. 
And so nobody was doing radio drama. And when Odyssey came out, that was just a dream come true, literally, because I got to work for them. Now, you weren't on board for eps- by episode one, were you? When did you start? Oh, no, no, no. No, this started with uh, Phil Lawler and um, Paul McCusker were some of the early guys. And um, let's see here. You know, there's somebody else, and I can't remember his name, but he, he was involved as well. <laughs> and uh, and Phil and Phil is the one that got started with with the other gentleman. And you know, I've never met him, so that's probably why he's kind of a blank in my mind. It'll come back to me. But anyway, they started the show, and uh, and then Paul came on board, and then I came on board in 1997. So about 10 years after it got going. Okay, so it was already rolling, and you came on as a writer. Right. Exactly. Huh. Now, when you when you were writing, uh, how hard was it to keep consistency with your characters and the story arcs and uh, their their kind of character arcs? Did you ha- did you struggle with doing that, or did it come easy? Well, it was interesting because I, I was a big fan of the show and still am, and so I was, I was listening to the show and I could I could you know I kind of I knew the characters from listening, but also um, there's something we call a show bible, and the show bible it shows you behind the scenes for each character, so there's some secret information you get to look through. <laughs> you know, it's like what is Wit's background that that you might never hear about. Huh. It's just some some of the stuff from his, and it's just fascinating. The background for Eugene, the background for Connie, and all that. So you get to read that as well. And it's, it's interesting you bring that up because I would really like to keep consistent with the characters. And even though we might push them in a new direction, nudge them this way or that, you want to keep consistent because people love these characters. You don't want to mess around with them too much. You want to oh, yeah. stay consistent with who they are. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's got to be like, I was I was just curious because it was like, wow, with that much backstory to all these guys, how do you keep them going? Now, did you do mostly uh, single stories or did you do story arcs? How was your uh, writing style in terms of the episodes? Uh, both. Both. We did uh, single stories where you know, I come up with an idea um, or maybe maybe team would and I would write it, that kind of stuff. Um, so we did that. And then we did story arcs. Uh, one of the biggest one was the Novacom series, which was a, a big, big story arc. I remember when Paul first brought it to us. We were at uh, Barnes & Noble in the... Uh, <laughs> And the little coffee shop there, and he and he mapped out this big thing, and we're just like our minds are blown. It's like whoa, <laughs> and he just mapped out the whole picture for us, and it's like, you know, and brain waves and radio waves, and we're like, wow, this is a little scary and fun at the same time. And it was it was a blast to work on. Oh, that is that is really way cool. Now, when you got an they, odd- they assigned me they assigned me the kid character, the kid shows, like the ones where the kids are trying to figure out what's going on. Because I'm a I'm a kid at heart, I guess is what it is. So I had a lot of fun working on that. Okay, so did you inherit any story arcs from any other episode series that had come, or was it more of a you were able to go in and kind of do your own thing in terms of the stories? Uh, story, it, it varies. Like, for instance, I would uh, come up with storylines that were unique or, or that kind of thing, but in an existing story arcs, Novacom was the one, so I was, I was there part of that when, when Paul launched mm-hmm. that with us. Um and there weren't any, when I came on board, it kind of was going, Odyssey was going through a, just a bit of a hiatus because it was changing producers, changing things were you know, a okay. lot in flux. So um, when I came on board, things were, and then, then it got started up again with uh, with uh, Phil Lawler and then with uh, with Paul McCusker. So, yeah. Okay, so you were in a real good way to go ahead and just jump in there, kind of slide oh, into. Yeah. Oh, that's great. cool. Was, you know, when, when God calls you to do something, he works out the timing where it's just just right. I mean, he is he is amazing at that. That is way cool. Now, hey, yeah. um, I've, I've worked with, like, video work. I've done video mm-hmm. stuff. I know what a, a film script looks like. What does an audio drama script look like? Is it a lot like well, a film script or what? 
Well, funny thing is, um, I, I, I work in film too, and that's my dream number one was to do radio drama. I'm doing the dream right now, and li- I'm just loving it. I mean, I'm living my dream, which is, <laughs> isn't that cool how God does that for us? I mean, oh my he puts gosh, the fire yes. he wires you for something, and when you do it, you you get charged like you can stay up work all night doing this and and like and you're amazed you get paid to do it you know that's it's something you're wired to do so that's dream number one dream number two and he's call, he's calling me to film and so mm-hmm. I've got a, a a bent toward working toward film is the is the next next big dream okay so part of that part of that is you know we're we're trying to bring a, a sense of film in in our writing so bottom line when we look at a script it looks a lot like a movie script. Okay. Looks, in fact, we use Final Draft, which is uh, yeah, yeah, in the in the film industry, and that's what we use. And we do little things like we put SFX on the side for sound effects uh, mm-hmm. on Flush Left, or we have music that kind of stuff. So those things are a little little strange, um, but other than that, it looks like a movie script. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you do you outline like you normally would with a movie script, or is the outlining process different? Well, it's interesting in the movie process. It's when you do beat sheets and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. it's it's. It's kind of all out. There's no standard format for outlining. There's a very standard format for script writing. But mm-hmm. for outlining in movies, it's not. It's like all over the map. I that mean, everybody does different kind of things. So so we just do it in Word, you know, just kind of write it. You know, it, what I like to do is, you know, we, I, I do a scene like interior um, school day. So I, I kind of a typical scene heading, and then mm-hmm. I list out what happens in that scene. That way you can say, okay, here's where we are. Here's what time of day, and here's what happens. That's number one. Number two, two beat. What happens here? Number three beat. That kind of thing. Okay, so you do you go scene by scene. You outline exactly what's going to happen yes. before you before you go into the writing process. Yeah, and, and for a writer that helps. And oh yeah, for, you know, a, a lot of us creative guys. You know, we like to like I like to just dream and to <laughs> feel and to flow and to do whatever I want to do. You know, that's 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 in our nature. Okay, well, we yeah. also have to, like have the discipline and the discipline of writing is like your train track. So your outline is your train track. You lay, lay down the track, you know exactly where to go. You got to put the bridge here because there's, you know, valley. Oh, we got to, you know, blow up a hole in the side of the mountain to put the tunnel through. You know, you figure out all those kind of logistical, logical, left brain things. That's your train track. Yeah. Okay. And now you get to ride the train, which is really fun <laughs> when you're writing. It's just like, that's fun. Now, interesting thing when you're writing you can change a little bit. It's like, okay, the outline always says this, but you know what? This character's kind of pushing this direction. I think we'll go here. Mm-hmm. But, but that train track gives you a clear sense of direction so you can focus on the flow rather than the logical kind of side. That's that a really good way to look at it. I've never heard anyone put it that way. That makes a lot of sense to mm-hmm. me. Very yeah. cool. So um, as we talk about this outline stuff. I... Like I do with many of my guests before I bring them on the show, I cyberstalk them. And I ran across, I ran across uh, an interview with you on another podcast. It was the Odyssey podcast, and you were talking about the Last Chance Detectives series that you did, the audio drama for that. Right. And you got, and yeah. in that, you said that you got tossed that project with four to six weeks to write up a twelve episode series. I need yes. to know how this the is where heck. You find out what your friends are. <laughs> how oh. in. Well, I mean, I just, how, how did you do that? How even? <laughs> now, did you have a team of guys working on it? Number one, God. Number two, good friends. Uh, and isn't that the way to go through life? Mm-hmm. God and good friends. You can go through anything with God and good friends. Uh, and so, uh, God was the one that put it on my lap and just kind of, it's, it's like we, because <laughs> uh, we were supposed to get going on it and nothing was happening. And I kind of like knocked on Paul's door figuratively because, mm-hmm. um, 
I don't think he had a door at the time, but anyway, <laughs> just said, uh, Paul, um, I, we're supposed to be like moving forward with this. He said, well, I think Marshall is going to ride on, but he's on vacation. He says, well, how about you do it? <laughs> uh, okay. So, sure. Okay, you got six weeks, 12 episodes. So then um, Marshall came back, and we got Marshall working on four of the shows. Uh, Bob Vernon, who was the original creator for Last Chance Detectives, did the next what did the final final four, and I did the middle four. Okay. So that's how it worked it out that way. So we each had four scripts, and we had to get them done quickly. And a cool thing is, Bob Vernon laid out an outline for us. So he already laid down that train track for us, so we could just ride that thing. So oh, that was okay. very helpful. So he'd given yeah. you the, he, the outlines. Yeah, he gave us a basic outline, a basic ideas, and he was just great to work with. Bob's Bob's amazing. Yeah, so you had that really, really tight deadline to work with. Do you have any tips? Oh, yeah. Do you have any tips for uh, someone working with a deadline that tight? Wow, I just had one this last week. Um, <laughs> it just <laughs> happens, you know. It's like, yeah, okay, so this I can tell you from fresh experience. Yeah. This is where, okay, a couple things to note. Whenever you're running into a tight deadline, um, and this is going to sound like a, um, oh, yeah, of course, you're going to say it because he's a Christian kind of guy, but it's like you got it. You got to have, be tight with God. Just like praying every day. Don't neglect your prayer time with him. Don't neglect that time of peace with him. Because that morning time, afternoon, evening, whenever you do your time with God, guard that time. Because that's that's where that's where everything flows out of that. Your peace, your 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 direction, all that kind of stuff. So make sure you don't neglect your time with God. That's the most important thing. The other thing is, um, look for I, what I what God had to really work with me on is just to have peace in it because I you can get f- flustered you know if oh, you're yeah. if it's on fire you know kind of thing so it's like just finding His peace and just and there's a trust in that knowing okay if you know you're called to do it and you're b- obeying Him and and all that it's like then there's a peace and and just look, knowing God's going to work it out and He always does He always works it out even if sometimes sometimes it you know it, mistake is because of me I mean we're, we're in a tight deadline because maybe I messed up or whatever and I hope that doesn't happen too often on this one it wasn't it was just totally out of my control mm-hmm. uh, in a way so I, I get with God every day and I look for His peace I just kind of just dwell there in His peace so it's sort of like an eye of a hurricane you know right the middle of the, everything's swirling around you you've got you know things flying around you've got cows and trucks and everything flying around you know and and you're right there in the eye of the storm and you're you're finding his peace in the midst of it and he carries you through that's way cool that's like probably the best advice on that subject well thank you thank you it's 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 advice lived <laughs> so yeah i didn't read about it in a book i lived it just last week <laughs> so there <laughs> oh you know, gosh you have little signs like things things happen like things fall into place like little signs of his blessing that just kind of oh god you really are listening you really are watching this over this and watching over me and um i love when he does that he's an amazing god uh, just an amazing god yeah and we know that just it's good to say that now because he is <laughs> yes sir well hey we're going to take a quick break We're going to have a little midsection right here, and we will be right back in just a minute. For VSWS News, I'm Daniel Thompson. The record has been broken for the world's fastest lawnmower by a team of Norwegians. The original record was 117 miles per hour, but the 408-horsepower V8 engine lawn maintenance machine clocked in at 135. One member of the team was quoted saying, Today we are proud to have the world's fastest lawnmower. This is going to get attention worldwide. 
Congratulations, Norwegians. You made the very serious riding show. A plane flying from Australia to Kuala Lumpur was diverted when fire detectors on board were set off by the farts of 2,186 sheep being stored on board. These flatulent quadrupeds evidently display gaseous tendencies when put under stress. Purdue University sheep specialist Mike Neary allegedly urges people to treat bloated sheep with care. Thank you, Mike, for your advice. A London research survey has shown that 45% of the population is in favor of creating a fast lane on sidewalks for those who walk fast. The study had to have been conducted in London because Americans neither walk fast nor use the sidewalk in the first place. When interviewed, France laughed very hard at England, made a set of incredibly ethnocentric jokes, and then went back to being internationally irrelevant again. A Vermont hotel will allegedly be hosting a dinner next month, featuring meat from black bear, beaver, muskrat. An assorted roadkill collected by the Vermont Department of Fishing and Wildlife. The chief of the hotel was reportedly quoted as saying, "The idea is to get people connected to their local food sources, but also to showcase the traditions of Vermont. Customers will be charged seventy-five dollars for this tradition." A Washington state man allegedly attempted to fool police by driving into a high-occupancy lane on the highway with a zombie baby doll strapped into the passenger seat next to him. He was fined $135 and given strong warning that zombies do not count as actual occupants. The Washington man is now basking in Twitter glory, allegedly regretting nothing. Finally, speech specialists have confirmed that the Australian accent was influenced heavily by Australians' drunken forefathers. I knew it. For VSWS News, I'm Daniel Thompson. And we're back. We've been having a lot of fun, John. This is this is fun. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I, you know, I like to have fun. I think it's part of the just God's joy. You know, we're supposed mm-hmm. to. Um, the Bible says, "This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it." Whereas there's 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 a joy path in each day. I think, and so I think it's part of the the. And people, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned the word fun. You, I could I could talk all day in fun, but it's mm-hmm. interesting. <laughs> you know, you think about well, I mean, God and fun. Did they really go together? Well, all I have to say is one word. Otter, say otter. You know, look at an otter. It's like, and there you go. There's. Does God have a sense of fun? Yes. And if you're still unconvinced, look at a platypus. And then you know, I was end about of story. to say platypus. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Otter platypus argument done. So there right you go. there, one and done. Okay, so, yes. you've, so you've been doing stuff for Lamplighter recently. You've been putting together audio dramas based yes. on Lamplighter books. Yes. Oh, what a joy! It's it's just a lot of fun working on that. Working with Mark Hamby. Um, Mark. Um, he was taking a, uh, a tour at folks in the family, uh, with, uh, with Nathan Hubler and Nathan is just a wonderful guy. He started as an intern at, at Odyssey and is now producer, which is really cool how, how that's happened. And he said, do you ever think about turning these, uh, turning those lamplighter books into audio dramas? And Mark said, well, yeah, every day of my life, you know, <laughs> for about 20 years, because his dream was to do that. And I had just been, we had what they call a reduction in force at Focus. We had, we had a lot of, um, went through some very tight t- financial times, so they had to lay off a lot of staff. And I became a part of the club. And so um, I was available. And actually, I think Marsh was available as well. And I, I just took a lot of the same team that was working on Odyssey. And we started putting together Lamplighter Theater and worked with Mark Hamby on that. And it was a dream. It, happened. it was like, it was so cool how, how it happened. Because uh, we're ready to start, got everything going. And then Mark says, we only have one problem. I said, what's that? We don't have any money. <laughs> oh, honey. Yes, we kind of need to have that to make the show kind of go. So, um, and and he says, you know what? I'm just going to take a step of faith. Let's just move forward, and we'll see what happens. And I, I, you know, I told him, I said, I, I feel like if this is God's work, if He really wants to make it go, then He'll provide. 
let's just let's just go. Let's just make it happen. So we he, we both agreed on that. Let's just let's go forward and see how God blesses. Here's what happened. Unbeknownst to him, uh, there was a show, uh, Family Life Today, I think it was, um, that aired this this program that Mark Hamby was on like a year or two ago, something like that. Prior to this, and it was a show where he talked about turning off um, TV and going to. Get, Turning on books, turning on your imagination, kind of thing, mm-hmm. and uh, it, the show was so popular when it and it, then it aired again. And it was so popular they got like tons of calls from tons of people wanting tons of books, and they got tons of money. <laughs> and it's like happened <laughs> boom, right before we went. And Mark says, "Okay, let's go," and that's how it started. And every show since then has been a miracle from God. Oh my gosh, that is amazing! It's the, it's the drama behind the drama that nobody knows. <laughs> that is fantastic. writing show thing it's serious yes hey we gotta call it quits for today john will be back this thursday we're gonna continue talking about lamp lighters how to develop stories based off old books we're gonna talk g henty because he's done audio dramas off of those too it's gonna be great fun i appreciate y'all listening today we will catch you again this thursday on the very serious writing shows adventures in odyssey takeover (laughs) ta-ta